0: Lord, I just um, ask that you let your truth be spoken today, and I ask that everyone has um, ears to hear, hear what you would speak to their hearts and that they have hearts that are open to receive what you say. In Jesus' name, amen. Our scripture focus is on loving God with our whole self. If he had not loved us first, loved us so completely, we could never love him. Isn't that true? He came after us first. We didn't seek him. We weren't looking for him. He was looking for us. He's looking for everyone. Boy, he wants wants everyone. Uh, He loved me before I knew him. He sought me. He called me. He saved me. As a a little girl, I'm saved and, and brought to that great church and stayed with that pastor and his wife. I mean, he just set me up for success. We just need to follow, follow his lead. Mark 12, 30 says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. As we walk through struggles and heartaches, you know, we we need to allow him to comfort us and support us. He wants to carry us through. And uh, when he does that, we experience his love when we let him. And God is love. He's perfect, full, complete, unfailing love from the very start. But with us, love's developed over time. It was developed in me as I saw how he worked in my life, as I knew that he heard me when I prayed, that he answered my prayers. And again, that, the answers aren't always what I thought might be best, but it was such a revelation. He hears me. When I pray, here's everything I say. He encouraged me in these low, tough times. He lifted me up out of a pit. I feel his love, and he tells me when I'm right, and I love this part. This is my personality. He tells me when I miss it. Don't you love the friends in your life that speak honest and speak truth to you? I know I do. I may not always like it at the time. Sometimes I think they're crazy until, you know, I get along with God and he's like, they've got a point, you know. But God's so like that. He loves me so much. He never rejects me. Oh, my gosh. I've rejected him. But he never rejects me. He never leaves me. He's never left me. He leads me through. He never gives up. And in the end, if we stay with him, he works it all out. Sometimes you don't know how it could possibly work out. But when you stay with him, it does. And you look back and you're just amazed. How did that work out? But it does. My testimony today is about sexual abuse. And again, I'm a crier. Don't let it bother you. I've learned not to let it bother me. Just move on. <clears throat> but things get me emotional. And, you know, for years, I didn't say anything about this, but for years I didn't cry. I cried so much when my mom died, I didn't cry at all. I was hard and I was tough. And there were no tears, none. The easier emotion was anger, not not sorrow or not tears. And I thought I didn't have tears left. But um, it was actually in this church that I, I got set free to let these tears begin to flow again so I'm not embarrassed of them don't be worried about it just go on. okay bad things happen to everyone Christian or not isn't that true I mean bad things happen abuse illness disaster accidents I mean all kinds of things can happen we just had all those hurricanes in Texas my word people lost their life lost their home lost their jobs lost all that homes jobs and family members I mean things happen right but it's how we deal with them. It's how we learn to look at them that determines whether we grow or get stuck or sink into the pit, whether we come out bitter or better, whether we come out defeated or victorious. And I'm so glad I had him to help me out, to bring me healing, to bring me to that other side. Because, you know, all along the path I could have stopped and I could have refused and I could have Gone my own way, made a different choice. There's all kinds of crossroads we come into. Thank you, Lord Jesus, you didn't give up on me. And he kept drawing me. Um, There's two emotions that we can struggle with. I mean, we struggle with a lot of emotions, but there's two I'm going to talk about today. But we can learn how to defeat them, and we can learn how to stop them quicker than maybe we used to. One is fear. It creeps into so many areas of our life with the ultimate goal of hindering God's good plan for us. You know, like speaking at this conference or keeping me silent in the sexual abuse. Don't tell anyone. Oh, you know, don't let anyone know what's happening. You don't know what might happen, you know. Um... Deuteronomy 31, six says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. And boy, I know this scripture to be true. I wish uh, a lot of times I could get to that courage part a lot sooner than I do. Uh, I had struggles even about this conference. You know, I talked the other night afraid to do it. Well, I wish that had been the end of my struggle. But then I had the struggle about putting on Facebook. People are putting on Facebook. I don't want on my Facebook. And I didn't want people to know. I I was kind of upset when Debbie was going to put my name on the little flyer. I was like, shh, shh. You know, put it on my Facebook page. But I knew I needed to do that for lots of reasons, for uh, people from my past or whatever, and just, you know, get this all out there. And uh, family members, boy, you know, I'm 57 years old. I'm 58. Sorry, I just had a birthday, September 21st, two days ago or something. Yeah, happy birthday to me. Thank you. Um I forget my age. So uh you know, you'd think I wouldn't be afraid or you would think that I had talked to people about this already, especially family or close people, but I hadn't. I dealt with it with the Lord, but I didn't talk about it. And uh and I'm I'm sure a lot of my family members and even close friends are like, Oh, we know and she's you know, this or that or and I wasn't. But i I just didn't want to talk about it i don't want to say anything about it and uh, it was all out of fear all out of fear so fear is one of those things that that creeps in and uh it talks all through scripture about not being afraid and i tell you the other side of fear isn't as scary as we think you know in this church when i first mentioned i may be jumping ahead a minute but when i first was going to mention homosexuality it was in a our women's bible study back there and debbie i don't know why debbie did this she did some weird thing this one day and she said everybody go around the circle and tell something you you know need prayer for or you're struggling with or something and man my heart started beating and immediately heard my head tell them about homosexuality and i'm thinking no i am not these ladies love me these ladies hug me and they brought me to their house and if I tell them about my past, that may end. Isn't that goofy? And I saw it like this big cinder block wall, and if I tried to press through it, I was going to be bloody on the other side and wounded and limping, and nobody was going to like me or talk to me or they'd all be suspicious of me. I didn't know what was going to happen. But it was in this church that um, I first spoke those words. And you know what? Everybody still loved me. Everybody still hugged me. Still kissed me, still invited me over. I mean, oh my gosh, it was like like the devil made it look like a cinder block wall. And you know what it was, really? Am I echoing, bad? I sound like it. You know what it was, really? It was just like a thin paper. Just the thinnest paper, but it looked like cinder block. And when I pressed through it, what I thought was on the other side, bloody, bruised, battered, it was the most beautiful thing on the other side. It was such freedom. And I thought, why have I let fear keep me back here all these years? And a lot of it's the same with the sexual abuse. So let me get back to my story. It'd have been good if I'd have had this scripture and this courage at that time, but I didn't. The other emotion is shame. And it went to my core, the soul of me. Being abused left me feeling dirty and used, unworthy. But God's able to wipe all that away. And you know, God saw everything that happened to me. You know, I may be ashamed to tell you details. He knows every detail. And he's not ashamed of me. He knows the truth. And he hates that it happened what he wants out of it is he wants my healing he didn't cause it he didn't bring it he didn't allow it things happen again you know if god didn't allow things like we think there would be no storms ever there'd be no stickers i hate stickers (laughs) there'd be no thorns on rose bushes there'd be i mean if you know we say the silliest things sometimes god didn't bring sin into the world people did Sometimes we want to blame Adam and Eve. We're all Adam and Eve. Every one of us has eaten that apple. Every one of us has been tempted. None of us were born perfect and sinless, and right? Okay, I'm getting off. Whatever may have caused you to feel unworthy, ashamed, unwanted, rejected, or afraid, because, you know, we've all got different issues. Just because I'm going to talk about this, this may not be anything that you've dealt with. But you've dealt with something, something somewhere that's given you some feelings like this. And God wants to change that in you. God's ready to help you break free. He calls us friend, redeemed, accepted, a masterpiece, a treasure. They just said that in one of those songs, a treasure. His daughter, beloved. He gives us an inheritance and a blessing. And He wants to change our life if we'll let Him. Boy, He'll change it. Whatever it is you're struggling with, He can change it and He can give you victory and He can put you somewhere you didn't think you'd ever be. Look at me. I'm somewhere I didn't think I'd ever be. God's so good. He's so good. I was about 9 or 10 when my uncle started abusing me on summer visits. And you know, I'd, um, I'd try to avoid Him, but that Wasn't always uh, successful. Sometimes I could. Sometimes I couldn't. And I never told my mother about it because I was ashamed. And it was her her sister. It was the husband of her sister. And, uh, you know, what was I afraid of? I mean, I I was afraid of what might happen. Man, they might get divorced or people might not believe me or people would know what happened to me and then they'll all see that I'm dirty. If I keep it secret and nobody knows I'm dirty. Um I was ashamed that it happened to me. I thought, you know, what's what's wrong with me? There's something wrong with me. So if you tell people, then they'll know, Oh, you know, what did you do? So I kept it to myself. And um that's why when my mom died, I didn't want to live there. And I, mean, I remember praying, Lord, I was out in that, that cemetery. And um, I was asking him, D- just you know, if something happens to my mom, don't let me go live there. Just please don't let me go live there. You know, one of the things I said, isn't this crazy for a girl that young to think of? I said, I don't want to be lost. You know, my Assembly God Church talked a lot about being saved and a lot about being lost. And uh, they talked a lot about heaven. They also talked about hell. And boy, I knew the Lord. And I loved the Lord. And we were close. And I thought, if my mom dies and I go live there, what's going to happen to me? It was—it was, it frightened me. And I'd, I'd sit there and cry and I said, don't let me be lost. Anyway, I went to live there. And, you know, I had an opportunity. That great little couple I lived with, they sat in the living room, um, with my aunt and they and they said well you know we don't mind if she goes ahead and stays here and oh i just thought oh my gosh i'd just be so perfect because i just love my church i love their little house and they're so sweet and my aunt said oh no you know we need to take her and i'm sure it's a responsibility thing or you know um she didn't want to be a burden on a young couple i mean they were in their 20s and i'm 13 and uh, they were going to start a family of their own now they've got this other girl i mean i'm sure there were lots of reasons it happened all I know is that I never said a word. And I wish I had. And again, what kept me from speaking up? Fear. Why didn't I tell them what was happening? And there were other families in that church. It was a huge church that, that had offered to take me in. One had five girls, and I never had a sister, only brothers. And I used to always think, I wish I had a sister. Um, anyway, I didn't say anything. Fear kept me quiet again. And um, so when I lived there, I went to live there, you know, my, um, my uncle could be nice and funny, you know, and um, he liked to play games and things, and maybe a few days would pass without abuse, and I would think maybe that was the end of it or maybe it wasn't going to happen again, but then it would. And then the next day, he'd avoid me. the next day he looked like he was mad at me he looked at me like something was wrong with me at least that was my perception back then it was just totally different so that even added the shame and stuff on me um you know i had a very loving um mother and um i really wanted to uh feel like i belonged there i wanted to feel like i was at home but i felt like a stranger and an intruder and i felt unwanted and i'm not saying that that's exactly they both passed by the way but i'm not saying that's exactly how they felt or what they had wanted but i know that's how i felt about the situation and I, i believe that um my aunt was trying to do the right thing in taking me there i think she felt that was her responsibility and But um, it was something that they were unable to do in their own strength. They already had their own issues, one of which was alcohol abuse. And uh, that was something new for me to be around. I had never been around that either, but I got a little taste of it uh, in the summers. It's another reason I didn't like it, but again, I I never talked about it. But when you live there, you get to see it a whole lot differently. And when they drank, they argued. And they were worse at night and it escalated over the years it wasn't a great place to live you know there's things that we can't solve on our own even if we control our behavior unresolved issues will eat away at us on the inside and i believe that they had some of these unresolved issues and they were eating at them and it resulted in this uh, alcohol abuse but it wasn't changing anything. It was really making things worse. But I guess it was at times giving them some temporary relief. You know, what we need to do is we need to bring our hurts to him because he provides a real, a real solution and a true way out. His way will give you back your life. It will give you the peace and joy that you want. Gosh, his, I just, like I told you about that big brick wall that I thought was just going to be bloody and battered, I got through and I found out it was nothing. Not only that, But the lie of what was on the other side of that, it was so great on the other side. Why did I wait? We're so foolish sometimes. We're so misled. We listen to the wrong voice. You know, I just hate the devil. I hate how he tries to keep a part of us wounded and broken. Or if he can keep a part of us held back for whatever reason then it prevents us getting where God would like to take us. It prevents us from that kind of life that we say we want and that we desire. But the devil doesn't want you to have it. And you know, I, this isn't in my notes, but I always think of this. You know, he doesn't want you to have it not because you're so important. You know, you're, you're pretty worthless to him. He doesn't care about you one way or the other. But if he can hurt you or hold you back, he hurts God. And that's his real goal. And when I think that I'm that worthless and useless to him, that he's just playing me and tricking me to hurt God who actually loves me and has my best interest in mind, it just makes me mad at him. I just don't want to listen. I just want to recognize uh, it's him or he's trying to pull me away. Boy, it gives me like something extra to fight back. God wants us whole. He wants us to have and enjoy all the benefits and blessings of being his daughter. All the blessings that Jesus died to give us and he gave his son for us to have all this goodness. For us to have this freedom and have this victory and to have a better life. And then we don't use it. Imagine your parents working so hard to provide you with whatever it is they did. Maybe they started a big company and a business they want you to inherit. And they built you a beautiful home and had you a car. and, And you just don't use any of it. You don't get in the company, you don't ever use the house, it just sits and rots, you never drive the car. They, they have your college all paid for, you never attend. And then you complain that your life is bad and you have nowhere to live and you wish you had a job. And there's a company that you could have been a part of. Was, you know, you had an education, they were paying for it. I mean, it's like that with, with the Lord. He's got all this goodness and he just, he's got it waiting for us and we don't use it, we just let it sit. And his son died. To give it to us. Man, grab it. Use it. He's on your side. He wants you to use this stuff. Come to him. He knows all about you. He knows just how to reach you. He knows what happened to you. He knows who wounded you and hurt you. He knows what happened when you were brought up or what happened when you were raising children or what happened in your marriage or what happened on the job wherever it happened, whatever it was, he already knows all about it. And he loves you just like you are. He knows exactly how to heal us. First Thessalonians 5, 23 24 says, May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole. Gosh, he can make us whole. May he make you holy and whole, put you together. Spirit, soul, and body. This is from the message. It's up there. And keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable. Man, we can count on him. You can. You can count on him. If he said it, I love this part, he'll do it. If he said it, he'll do it. Our part, you know what our part is? We have a part. We have to cooperate. When he says you need to go apologize, don't say, Well it wasn't my fault. I didn't do it. I apologized last time. It's their turn this time. I I can't do that. That's too embarrassing. It's too hard. It don't just cooperate. Lois do this conference. It's too hard. I don't want to get up I've never done that. Too many lessons, too many days. And it's Sunday. I can't do Sunday. I had so many excuses and I just thought, you know, Lord, if you brought me the opportunity and I've been praying and asking for chances to tell and share. Okay. It doesn't mean the fear just disappears necessarily. But boy, the other side of it, I'm telling you, I I remember that image a lot. It helps me in all situations. I wish we could take the lessons we learned here and apply it all these other places. It really helps me. So it's our part to cooperate, to follow what he says, and to listen. So I'm living at this house and if you've lived with alcohol and stuff it was a real jekyll and hyde experience there um you know when they would be drunk at night and some mean and hateful things were said and done and it was just uh, it was bad and you know i remember the very first time i woke up the next morning and i was still wounded and hurt and you could tell and i was kind of acting that way and that boy immediately was like well, what is wrong with you you know you need to straighten up You need, And I learned real, I mean, it didn't take me just one time, and I learned real quick, when you get up in the morning, you forget everything that happened the night before. What a crazy way to live. Uh, It taught me to keep my emotions in neutral and to not let people really see how I felt or what was going on. I think it provided me some safety and protection, I thought. Again, a lie of the enemy. And uh, it kept me from getting really personal with people. I had secrets. I kept up walls. You know, you could get close, but not real close. Because if you got real close, I knew it would be time to share some of this. Or some of that might come out, or you might find out. And so then I'd back away. That's not sad? What a sad way to live. Again, the enemy. The enemy's behind it. That wasn't God's best for me. I stayed in a lot of activities. I kept away from the house. I thought that was a good way. You know, stay away from the house. Has anyone else found yourself doing what you said you'd never do, what you hate? It can catch us all off guard. You know, I hated alcohol. I hadn't been around that. When, I, when I'd see what it'd do to them, I just hated it. I mean, I hated it. I will never drink. I said that. I will never drink. I hate what alcohol does to people. And then I started drinking. Started about 15 or 16. When I was in high school, I was 18, my senior year, and you could buy liquor at 18. So I was the liquor girl. I could go get whatever we needed. And I I drank through college. As a matter of fact, y'all have seen those intervention shows? I graduated college in 84, and so this must have been like 81, maybe. My sorority, I was in a sorority, and we had all these parties and functions, and we all dressed up and... Um, they had an intervention for me. That tells you something. They didn't even have intervention shows or know about that, and they had one for me. They took me over to two alums' house, and I thought we were going there to visit these really cool older alum people, you know. And then they they asked me to go out to the garage and check out their boat. Yeah, I water-skied. Yeah, I want to see the boat. And out there by the boat, boy, they started talking to me. You know, all these girls actually brought you here because of your drinking. Wow. If you feel like you're suffering from wrongs from your past, maybe something done to you or that you did, or if you've fallen into some cycle of doing wrong, you know, sometimes we repeat behaviors that we're around, don't we? Even though we hate those behaviors, even though we say, I'll never be like that, or sometimes we find ourselves in it, then today's a the day to get help and get past that. You know, I, we sang some song that had the word suddenly, A lot of the things in my life, I'm telling you, it was suddenly. The devil wants you to think it took you 30 years to get in here. It'll be 30 to get out, if not 60, you know. I mean, that's how I want you to think, at least 15, you know, if you're running hard. That's just not true. You can get started, and it may be slow starting, but then sometimes there's that suddenly, and the light comes on, and it all changes, and it all all fixes itself, and you're like, oh, my gosh. So today's the day. It can finally come to an end. God can show you how to forgive yourself or forgive someone else, how to stop the cycle, how to change your behavior and your thoughts. And it's never too late for his intervention. We can change, and God will help us. He's a God of miracles. The sexual abuse made me feel bad about myself. I wondered what was wrong, you know, that dirty and damaged and used kind of feeling you have. And I felt like I would lost something that I couldn't get back, you know, my innocence. I felt helpless there, and I felt hopeless. I didn't feel like there was going to be an end to it. It ended when I left, and um, I didn't see that happening for a while. I was introduced to things I wasn't prepared to handle. You know, you're not ready for sexual things at thirteen. At least I wasn't. And um, you know, and it started at nine, and. when you're introduced to things and you're not ready, it can really distort your views on things or distort your views about your body, maybe about men, maybe about trust. And the devil loves to do that. And you know what he, lo- he loves to do too? He likes to take a bad situation that was already bad, and he likes to make it worse. He likes to blow it up and make it even worse That is it's bad enough on its own. But if he can use anything that's injured or hurt us to take us into even worse places, which is what I'm going to talk about this afternoon, then he'll do it. You know, but God, he'll take whatever life hands us. That's so critical. Life is going to hand us things, good things and bad things. But God, he'll take whatever life hands us and he'll use it to make us better. He doesn't cause the bad, but he'll use it if we let him if we submit to make us better. God loves me just as I am. He doesn't reject me or ask me to change before I come to him. He didn't say, Lois, clean your life up and then come to me. I felt that way, but he wasn't saying that. Let's stop beating ourselves up, stop hiding, and let his love wash away the lies, the deception, the hurts. The devil points at God, and he wants us to blame him. This is his fault. You prayed you wouldn't come here. Why did he let you come here? Why didn't he keep you? I mean, doesn't he do that? Why did he let her die? Why did he give you cancer? I mean, the things we say, who, who's planning those kinds of words and thoughts in our mind? That's not scriptural. It says every good and perfect gift comes from above. It doesn't say all the hurts and sorrows and pains come from him the devil wants me to say god did this and it's his fault god doesn't harm us he doesn't bring sin and evil into our lives the world does that people do that god seeks to restore what's been stolen to comfort us to help us out and to get us past it to make us better after all you know that's what that what it means that he he can use those things and and make us better. Whatever it is that happened. It almost used to sound to me like, well, he made this bad thing happen for my good. That's not what it means. It just means if something bad does happen, don't just hang on to the worst parts of it. Let let me help you. Hey, that could be a testimony. Hey, you could get so healed that it, it doesn't hurt you anymore and you can share with others who are where you used to be. I think that's my phone going off. I apologize for that. I silenced it. But not my alarm. Um, I heard a real good thing in our women's Bible study here at church. I love our women's Bible study. I love my church. A lady said, you know, I've always heard, don't ask why. Her name's Winnie. Winnie. Winnie said, said, we shouldn't ask why. Why did I have to come live here? Why did my mom have to die? Why did it have to happen so early? Why am I being abused? Because, you know, we all have those whys about things in life why why and you know we don't always get an answer to the whys here do we sometimes we're just not going to know here and so when we're asking those whys it can really bother us because we want to know why you know what they said she said she said rather than ask why ask how man it was so awesome ask how how do i get past this how do i heal from this How do I let you use this in a good way? How can I turn what the devil meant to harm me into something that you can use for good? How can I recover? How can I be healed? How can I be whole after this? Ask how, because he'll show you how, because he's got a way, doesn't he? He's got a way, but we don't ask the how. We just want to know why it happened. Why did it happen? Why did it happen? Well, Well, it happened. Ask the how. How can I get past it? How can I heal it? How can I use it? I was mad at God because uh, I did feel a lot of this. You know, I was uh, 13 years old and I went where I didn't want to go. And at first, I tried to be solid in my faith and um, I remember I had uh, asked to go to a church, and there I looked in the phone book, you know, and found a little Assembly God Church because that's what I came came from. And my aunt drove me there and dropped me off at the front door, and I went in by myself and I didn't know anybody. And nobody talked. Talked to me. I'm guilty of that too. See someone new and you don't go talk to them. Help me, Lord. We've got a lady in this church that's so good about going up to people and talking to them and just, you know. Anyway, I quit. I quit going. I, went, I think I went twice. And it wasn't, it wasn't exactly like the little church that I went to. It was still a really good church, but, you know, the devil started working on you. And, um, I felt like I was putting my aunt out and having to drive me. And then I'd go there and, you know. I wasn't connecting. Nothing got better. I I didn't like myself. I didn't have a church. I started developing all this anger inside. I was mad that my mom had died and that I had to live here mostly and the things that were going on because I I thought, you know, God should have stopped it all. I longed for the times that I felt close to him, that I felt safe and cleaned and loved because I remembered those times and how good they were. And I longed for them. I didn't feel any of that. I tried other places and other directions, and it never satisfied me. I spent 10 years living out of his best, but God never left me. He never stopped loving me and calling me back. He never gave up. Psalms 119.28 says, My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. But I tell you, the thing that has saved my life is right here. It's the word of God. I just love his word. I love His Word. I start every day, every day, in the Word, every day. Not some days. Not I don't take off on vacation. And I I mean, we went through. I went all through Zion National Park and um, um, Bryce Canyon, and I was gone for several weeks. I did my Bible study every day. It's my lifeline for me. I don't know what is for you, but to me, this is what keeps me connected with Him. And every day, you know what He does. He talks about exactly what I'm going through. Or what happens that day is like, it's like I have a scripture, I have a story, because I just read something just like that. He's so good. He's so good. So I really felt like I needed to speak up about this. I was about 16, it had been going on about three years. It might have been uh, close to 17, maybe this summer of um, 16, going to be 17, the beginning of that school year. And I had a visit from a relative and I sort of alluded to this abuse that was going on because I kept wanting to tell somebody. There was a couple of teachers I really wanted to tell. Sometimes I'd stay after class and kind of talk to them, but I never could even get close to the subject. I wanted to find someone I thought cared about me that could rescue me. And so there was this relative that came to town to visit, and I thought, well, I'll speak to them. And like I said, I was really going around the outside of the thing. I wasn't at all talking about what it was and um the response i got let me know that uh this wasn't the first time the abuse had happened that they were familiar with it too and i was just shocked you know uh, the devil made me think that this was me only it was all about me and now i found out that this this person had done this before and that suddenly it was like a light came on this wasn't about me This was about them. And prior to that, I didn't think that. I thought there was something in me that brought this on. So it was a revelation that it wasn't me. And so um, I decided I was going to stop it. I thought there was a way to stop it. And I decided to tell him that I'd tell my dad if he bothered me again, and it worked. And that was the end of that. He never bothered me again, and I finished out high school there. And as soon as I was out of high school, I moved out to a college dorm, and I never went back. (laughs) I spoke up about what was happening, but I chose to hang on to the secrecy and to hide my feelings. Only my uncle and I knew. Why keep it quiet? It wasn't my fault. I'd stopped the abuse, but I haven't dealt with the wounds. The abuse stopped, but I still felt unclean. I still felt dirty. I still felt used. I still felt unloved. I still felt like damaged goods. I felt pretty good that I'd finally said something. But the wounds were still there. Does that make sense? I still had shame. I still felt dirty. Removing the outward is like taking all the pears off of a tree and thinking, well, it's not a pear tree anymore. And then, of course, the next spring, here they come, right? We have to let the word of God root it out. And Psalms 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. It was a work that he began in me to restore my sense of worth and value. But I had to follow his instructions. I had to read his word daily. I had to let him tell me the truth and guide my healing process. And renew a right spirit within me. It means to return to what it was, what it should be, to help me forgive, to see things in a different way. It changed my feelings about myself and my whole life. I asked him for help. I pray for godly friends to talk to and be a doer of the word. Now, this last part, God's given me some unique and strange stories. And again, I want to say before I say this last part, this isn't something everyone can do. Sometimes your abuser could be violent. They could be dead. uh, You could be at risk. I don't know what. Um, This last part's unique to my story. There are situations where contact is impossible or dangerous, but I share this just to show how he can totally turn things around. Years later, my uncle was in the hospital. He was dying from alcohol abuse. And uh, we'd gotten a phone call to all go up and see him. My whole family got in a car, and we drove up. It was about a two-hour drive. And nobody knew anything that had happened. Remember, I told no one. I told no one until I was, like, in my 40s, so... You know, I'm still I'm maybe in my 20s when this, this event occurred. And so um, they're kind of talking in the car, but I'm actually praying the whole time. And I'm, I'm uh, thinking about my uncle. And I had forgiven him and forgiven this situation. Isn't that good? God had let me forgive him, and he let me forget this situation and forgive it. I hadn't talked about it. But I started thinking he's dying, and I don't want him to die without knowing the Lord. But I just didn't know how I would do anything about it. He's comatose and this room's going to be crowded and I don't want anybody to know what happened and you know, I don't know if I can talk about these things of God around people, you know. But such a feeling of compassion came over me for my uncle and it was the work of the Lord. You know, my uncle, he was a, a tall, handsome guy. He was actually a medical doctor. I, I'm guessing he was six something. I mean, he was really tall. He was almost a pro golfer. He was a good fisherman. Um, I know he had dreams of a happy life. I know he did. Everybody does, don't they? And I know that his life didn't turn out how he planned. He didn't want to become an alcoholic. I don't think he wanted to abuse people. I don't know what happened in his past. God told me that he must have had some sort of trauma on his own that he never dealt with. And I just felt so thankful. Thank you, Lord, that I'm dealing with it. Thank you, Lord, that you've healed me. And I felt so sad for my uncle. And again, I know that some of you, these aren't maybe thoughts or feelings that you would have. Your story can be different than mine. But this is how I was feeling, such compassion, isn't that God? I arrived. I didn't know how I was going to talk to him. There was a crowd. We all got out of the car. And um, suddenly when we, when we went towards his room, my aunt was in there and, and my little nephew was in there. And everybody had to leave. Everyone who got out of the car had to go eat. They were starving and they had to go to the bathroom. A nurse came in and had to have my aunt right then for some paperwork. I mean it just it's like I walked in the room, there's my aunt and everybody's like, oh, we're going so and so and then my nurse calls and there goes and I'm alone. I mean it was probably twenty seconds. I'm alone with him. God's so amazing. So he's in this comatose state and he's got this heart monitor and I came over and sat, sat next to him, sat, pulled up right next to him, and I said, it's me, Lois. And I came to see you. I hadn't talked to him for years. And then, you know, the only thing I could think of and remember were the good things about him. And I started thanking him for things. I thought him, I told him I appreciated him teaching me how to play ping pong. He taught me how to water ski. He helped me pick out my first car. I had that car 11 years and of course, he's in a comatose state the whole time. I spoke of the funny things that I remembered, the good times. There was no change. I didn't even know if he heard me. So I took his hand. And I thought, you know, he'll look at me then or something. Nothing happened. I took his hand and I scooted up close. And I said, and no one's in the room. I said, I want you to know I forgive you for everything that happened between us. And I hope you forgive me, too, for anything I may have done. I mean, God just gave me those words to say, and they just spilled out of me. God's so full of compassion. He loved him just like he loved me. He had already fixed me, and if I could help in fixing somebody else, why wouldn't I? Of course, I I was in this place. I'm not saying everyone is, but I was. And the monitor when I said that, it began to beat fast. And I got real concerned and I got up out of my seat and I was going to go out in the hall and get a nurse. I thought, my gosh, he's dying and I've, I've killed him by saying something. And and it just suddenly went back to that steady beat. And it's like I just knew, God just spoke to me. He heard you. And I thought these words too. I don't know that they were true. He feels the same way. Isn't God sweet the, word, the thoughts he gives us? So, um uh, I love God and how the sweet thoughts he gives me about things. But I I started talking to me and said, you know, you may not live and I want you to be ready if you die to go to heaven. God loves you and he can forgive you if you call on him. And the monitor sped up again, but this time I wasn't afraid and I didn't get up and jump and run. I said, just tell God that you're sorry and ask Jesus to come into your heart. And suddenly as they left, everybody came back in. As soon as I finished that, everybody came back in. One of them sitting here today. She took that drive with us up there to Wichita Falls. I moved away and I just watched him. I didn't tell anybody, but I felt a real sense of peace about it. This had been such a bad time in my life. And now I'm praying for my uncle. Psalms 116.7 says, Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. He had brought me full circle. He had totally restored and healed me. God's so good. He returned what's been stolen from me several times over. He's done such a work in my heart, my soul, my mind, my emotions. I'm a work that he's going to continue to perfect as long as I remain close to him and follow what he tells me to do and listen to his voice. You know, he can't change us, help us, or strengthen us if we refuse to listen and if we refuse to cooperate. Let him love you where you are and lead you to what he has prepared for you. It's good. It's safe. It's perfect. I love him so much, but more importantly, he loves me. I can't believe the opportunities he's given me in my life. And he loves you too. Let him speak to you. Maybe you're abused and maybe you abuse somebody. I don't know. Maybe you've got a family member, or friend that's stuck in this mess. You know, you can pray for him, and you can... Help them overcome this, just like I did. God is good and he's faithful to us. If you're stuck in something and you want to be free, he can help you. And he not only can set you free, he can take it all away. I'm telling you, he took it all away. Isn't that amazing? That's the God we serve. Thank you, guys.